We have an exciting in-studio interview today with Renata Hurich from 350 Louisiana and Logan Atkinson-Burke from the Alliance for Affordable Energy. Thank you both for speaking with us today. Thanks for having us. It's, yes. it's a really a treat. Thank you very much. Um, so just to get started, I wonder um, if you could each just sort of respectively tell me about your organizations that you're a part of and what you're up to right now. Okay, Renata here. Uh, I'm with 350. We actually changed our name just recently to 350 New Orleans. Mm. Um, we are a group working on issues of climate change. Uh, I myself, I, uh, I'm a co-founder of the organization. Uh, I'm, I retired as a teacher, uh, so I could devote more of my time and energy to this issue of climate change because I feel this is the most important work I could be doing at this time in history because it's such a huge looming issue. Mm -hmm. And hi, I'm Logan uh, Atkinson-Burke. I'm the executive director for the Alliance for Affordable Energy. We are a consumer and environmental advocate uh, working around the state of Louisiana, specifically on energy issues. We're making sure that um, energy is affordable and not just that bill that you get at the end of the month, but when your health bill comes due, when your housing bill comes due, um, that all those aspects that, that add up to energy um, are, are affordable. And you, so both of your organizations now are working on a campaign around a proposed plant uh, that would be opened by Intergy, which is our energy utility here in New Orleans. Can you tell us a little bit about Intergy and then a little bit about this plant? Sure. Um, so uh, the Alliance and 350, uh, among a handful of other organizations, uh, have actually been involved in this power plant fight for almost two years now. Um, as a matter of fact, uh, this this uh, power plant issue began well before Entergy asked the city council back in June of 2016 um, for the the right to go ahead and build this thing. Um, it began uh, before that in their integrated resource plan, and even before that in a deal that was made related to a much larger energy corporate system agreement back in 2015. Um, but our biggest concern and why so many organizations, including ours, uh, the Deep South Center for Environmental Justice, Sierra Club, um, Vela, which is a, a community organization out in New Orleans East, um, all these organizations have been fighting this issue um, for all this, all this time because it's very clear that this power plant is not the right solution for New Orleans energy needs. And it puts an enormous amount of risk, both financial and uh, health and, and climate. It puts all kinds of risks on the backs of, of New Orleans residents and businesses that just don't belong there. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we think it, it is, it's, it's a really expensive solution. Energy is estimating the cost to be well above $250 million. Mm. They're entitled on top of that to about an 11% profit mm -hmm. for Entergy. Uh, it would raise uh, the average customer's bill by about $6. That's Entergy's estimate. But uh, they have been really wrong with their estimates in the past where mm -hmm. it ended up way higher. And this would be for the next 30 years. It's wow. like a mortgage. Uh, when uh, this is a concept, it, this plant, we expect this plant to be obsolete mm -hmm. within a few years. We cannot imagine burning natural gas 
20 years from now to create uh, gen uh, to generate electricity mm -hmm. so we expect to to be this this plan to be obsolete while we're still paying for it mm -hmm. that's right this is one of our big concerns and this is um, in pointing to what's happening around the country and indeed around the world, um, natural gas power plants, uh, along with coal power plants and, and all of the what you might call legacy uh -huh. <laughs> uh, yep. power generation, um, is starting to become uneconomic in the face of things like solar and wind and even energy storage like batteries yep. paired with these cleaner alternatives. So things like the the a peaking gas power plant, which is what this is. Mm -hmm. um, a peaking power plant is really only expected to be used a handful of hours out of the year, or needed mm -hmm. a handful of hours hours out of the year, but we're paying for it year round. And so, um, so can I stop you really fast? Please. So you say a peaking power plant. Does that mean that it, the, the the idea of the plant is that it serves like a like a surge like you demand thing, you and then it's like it not exactly. stored power. That's okay. right. A peaking power plant is a very inefficient way <laughs> to solve energy needs on the very hottest or the very coldest days of the year. And around the country, what we're seeing um, supplanting these kinds of plants are battery backup mm -hmm. and things like energy efficiency and something called demand response, which is almost like a, a virtual power plant, if you will, where customers um, reduce their energy usage during those peak times in order to mitigate the need for a much more expensive power generating source. Mm -hmm. And so around the country, power plants, natural gas power plants that we've been told this is the cheapest alternative, um, are, are not even meeting their, um, their revenue requirements, meaning they're, they're not selling as much as they expected to mm -hmm. and are being shut down. And, but what happens is, as Renata alluded to, um, that means that we're still stuck with what's called a stranded asset. So if we build this thing and we never use it, or we build it and we barely use it, it winds up sitting out there sitting in a neighborhood whose residents have mm -hmm. very clearly stated that they don't want it, mm -hmm. and we all wind up paying for it, even more than Entergy has said. So, so Renata also made a really important point here, which is that right now we're being told that the power plant is only going to cost everybody about $6 a month, right? That's based on an assumption that the energy market is going to rise 1,600 times between now and right. 2022. Wow. Right. And yeah. so their calculations about how much this is going to cost us, there's already no doubt in our minds that this is going to cost us more. Mm -hmm. And in fact, there's no doubt in the city council advisors' minds. They they put pointed this out in their brief and in all their testimony as well, that Entergy's um, expectations for sales into the MISO marketplace, that's kind of the, the larger energy market that we're now a part of, okay. are just not going to come to fruition. And that means that we are the ones paying for it. So, and, okay, go ahead. And there are cheaper, uh, better solutions out there. I mean, mm -hmm. Entergy keeps insisting we need this plant uh, because we have all these frequent power outages, mm -hmm. which is not true. Yeah. A hundred percent of our power outages, we have a lot. Mm -hmm. We have uh, about almost 2,600 power outages in the over the course of one year in the past. 98% of those were caused by distribution line failures and transformers uh -huh. exploding or squirrels uh, doing <laughs> stuff. Yeah. Uh, and 2% 
by transmission line failure, failures. Mm -hmm. None of the outages were caused by not having enough power coming in. And this is how they say we need to solve this problem. Uh, it's, it's just not uh, true. Mm -hmm. And um, I also want to point out that if we invest our resources, which we are not abundant, I mean, we can't just play around with ratepayers' money like mm -hmm. that. If we invest those into this dinosaur plant right now, then we don't have the resources to invest in modern te technology, yeah. which we really need to do. We could upgrade our transmission lines. We are, like Logan said, uh, uh, connected to the MISO grid, which has an oversupply in power right now. Mm -hmm. um, so that is really not the issue. And uh, so if we upgrade those, we would solve a lot of the issues that we have coming our way. Um, also, you know, we should uh, shift to uh, like smart meters, which is in the works, but mm -hmm. that costs money too. And sm smart meters really fast are? Uh, those are meters that uh, can measure uh, how, uh, you know, electricity is used both ways. Mm -hmm. They can regulate usage. We could, uh, uh, maybe Logan can explain sure, this better yeah. than I. <laughs> She's the expert here. <laughs> I, I don't know that I'm an expert, but, um, but a, a smart meter is um, modern technology that better helps the consumer and the utility understand how energy is being used, mm -hmm. when it's being used, and can help all kinds of things. For example, if you better understand, and, and I like to equate this to a, a dine-out menu, mm -hmm. if you better understand um, how how much your meal is going to cost when you're buying it, or you better understand um, before you, your bill comes due how much you've been eating, mm -hmm. yeah. <laughs> um, you get a better sense of how to, how to regulate that, how to reduce usage so that by the end of the month when your bill is due, you don't have a bit of a heart attack, which mm -hmm. is what a lot of people are doing right now, right? Yeah. Um, so, so smart meters along with um, much better technology to, to use the resources that we have and to more appropriately then target even where on, on our distribution system um, our, um, our focus should be. Mm -hmm. You know, these, um, this technology is one of those things that by the time Entergy completes its deployment of smart meters across its, um, its footprint, which includes Entergy New Orleans, Louisiana, Texas, um, Mississippi, and Arkansas, by the time they're finished deploying it, mm -hmm. they're expected to be one of the last utilities in the country to have smart meters. Wow. Already, more than half of utilities, uh, more than half of, you know, uh, customers who pay an electricity bill in the country have smart meters. Mm -hmm. And unfortunately, we're far behind, and that means we're leaving tons of benefits on the table. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and I think for, you know, whatever utility consumers in New Orleans having the sewerage and water board is setting a very low bar for meters, you know, lots of love for the sewerage and water board, but right. <laughs> the, well, it's sort of a legendary thing where it's like, I just don't know like what's right. happening for both of those utilities. So what's really interesting, though, about that is that sewage and water board is also installing smart meters, and in they will be complete. That, that deployment will be complete in just a, a couple of years uh -huh. before Entergies are completed. Wow. Um, but that unfortunately, that 
um, effort was not coordinated. Mm -hmm. And this is kind of a long-standing issue mm -hmm. that unfortunately our utilities that are very much intertwined and interdependent, those being water and energy, yeah. are not coordinated. And this is one of those things that, um, that we found really frustrating during this power plant argument, to bring mm -hmm. it back to that, is that, for example, um, Entergy more recently has said, oh, well, maybe this power plant can solve sewage and water boards issues, but has not presented any proof, uh -huh. any analysis, anything uh -huh. that anybody can go, oh, well, then you're right. That makes a ton of sense. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But, I mean, they are clearly utilizing the issues we've had with flooding recently mm -hmm. to scare us into, yes, we should better get this power plant. Mm -hmm. um, and I also would like to say something about, uh, you know, uh, related to the issue of climate change. Mm -hmm. um, energy is saying, oh, well, you know, this is natural gas. This is what you cook with. How dangerous can it be? Well, first of all, uh, there are serious emissions connected mm -hmm. with it, especially their smaller plant. I mean, they're proposing two uh, plants because actually they, they had to downgrade the energy demand uh, twice in the last two years. So the need for this plant is getting, I mean, it's not even there, yeah. according to their own numbers. But uh, especially the smaller version of the plant, which is a rice uh, generating unit, uh, they emit high amounts of uh, extremely small particles mm -hmm. that w would lodge deep in your system that, mm -hmm. you know, because they are so small, it can get deep into inside of your body. Mm -hmm. And this plant is located like 92% of uh, power plants in Louisiana in a predominantly African-American and Vietnamese-American community. So those are the people who, uh, who suffer the most, they suffer from our petrochemical industry the most. Uh, it's, it's a pattern that we see repeated there. Mm -hmm. And uh, this idea with um, natural gas being like a bridge fuel to cleaner sources. No, if we invest in this now, we don't have the money to invest in cleaner yeah. resources. And methane is an extremely powerful greenhouse gas. Mm -hmm. It's seven, 84 times more powerful than CO2 over the first 20 years. And um, more and more studies confirm that there is severe leakage of methane in the production and the transportation process. That um, even a 3% leakage, which does at exist or even higher, wow. will um, negate the, uh, uh, it, it makes it just as bad as far as producing electricity with a coal-fired power plant, mm. as, as far as the climate is concerned, as far as greenhouse gases. So, um, yeah, that's that's also one reason why we're really against it. And greenhouse uh, uh, and uh, climate change is such a huge threat for us all over the world, also especially here in New Orleans, um, that uh, if we don't switch now, We've been warned for decades now, mm -hmm. um, and we really run out of t out of time. Where uh, we uh, we uh, it is it's, it's getting much much harder to avoid tipping points where yeah. climate uh, climate change will be totally out of control. Uh, we have to invest our all our resources into shifting. And we have so many other, so many cities that are shifting, that have plans to uh, have 
100% renewable sources of energy to create electricity. Uh, it's 50 cities just in the U.S. We have mm -hmm. Atlanta who want to be, wants to be there by 2035, uh -huh. San Diego, Santa Barbara, Portland, St. Louis. Uh, there are um, uh, there are cities that want to be there by 2020. Uh, we have uh, Denton in Texas just signing up for that. Uh, we have um, actually um, Abita Springs, who oh, has really? plans to be there. Yes, by 2030, they want to be 100% hmm. renewable uh, energy for electricity, and and plans go further to ha to be to have 100% clean energy for all energy needs. Also. Uh, uh, transportation. Mm -hmm. um, so, uh, yeah, New Orleans just came out with the Smart City uh, initiative that they want to support. But, I mean, we can't have it both ways. Right. We cannot say we want to do a Smart City initiative and then we want to build a gas-fired power plant. It yeah. just doesn't go together. Right. Um, I, I wanted just to mention another thing that the city of New Orleans uh, did last year, mm -hmm. uh, which was come out with a climate action strategy. The climate action strategy breaks down, you know, what New Orleans needs to do uh, in order to reduce our emissions by 50% by 2030. Uh, it, it looks at three areas. It looks at energy, obviously, uh, transportation and waste. But the, the biggest of the three is energy. Mm -hmm. um, right now, um, we're doing quote, fairly well. I'm using big air quotes. Uh -huh. I know it's the radio, so that doesn't you know. help. <laughs> yeah, those, those um, air quotes are very big. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, because we have had an energy efficiency program now for, uh, we're in our eighth year of an mm. energy efficiency program, and the New Orleans City Council just a couple of years ago started saying it's time to grow that program. Mm -hmm. And so right now, Energy Smart, and if you're a homeowner or a business, you can go to energysmartnola.info to get lots of information about how to make your home or business more energy efficient. Um, that that program is starting to grow now, which is a really fabulous thing. Um, the other reason that we have a fairly low already national, uh, or in, in comparison to national numbers, is that our uh, a lot of our energy historically has come from our nuclear power plants. Now, that means <clears throat> that our carbon emissions, on balance, aren't as high as they might be if we uh, burned a bunch of coal. Mm -hmm. But but I would also remind everybody that, A, our nuclear power plants are, are getting on up there in age. And um, in order to keep those running in the long term, that's going to be very expensive. Nuclear is not cheap. Just mm -hmm. you can look at what's happening in Georgia, in South Carolina. Mm -hmm. Those power plants, um, those newer power plants and even the upgrades that, um, that are required to keep them up and running, they're just not cheap. And so if we're thinking long term about what our energy system needs to be, we need to be thinking about how to, as Renata said, use our resources wisely and and invest in the things that we know are going to stand the test of time mm -hmm. that we know that other jurisdictions other cities and states around the country are saying all right it's time it's time that we pay attention to the least cost resource which is wind solar energy yeah. efficiency every single time um, but this climate action strategy also points to for example um, the sort of carbon footprint of various kinds of generating um, mm -hmm. solutions. 
And it points out that natural gas is, is not a, a low carbon energy source. And our, our big concern is that if, if, um, if our city council says, all right, let's invest $250 million worth of New Orleans residents and businesses money in a not a low carbon solution, it puts us way off track yeah. to, to being a, um, a city that actually cares. And potentially more importantly, as we're looking at how, to, how do we make sure that um, we keep resources coming to the city of New Orleans and into Louisiana, that we, are, that we show the world and show the country that we are a place that cares about our future mm-hmm. so that other people can feel comfortable coming and investing here or coming and moving here. Mm-hmm. Because if we look like we don't care, what kind of message does that send? Yeah. And I think, I mean, that's a really good point. I mean, that makes me think about so many different programs and initiatives that the city has right now, which, like, I feel like this is a really cynical thing to say, but it's really off-brand. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> to do so something true. like that. Like, <laughs> it's so true. You know? <laughs> it's yeah. it's mad off-brand, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's a really gross <laughs> pair of words. But, but it's interesting, though, because, I mean, there there is this sort of, like, major disjuncture between, between this sort of idea of, like, okay, like, we have some pretty serious infrastructural problems yeah. that we need to make some major choices about and and this is definitely not the one does Entergy doing any kind of solar projects or anything so Entergy has installed so far one Mm -hmm. megawatt of solar (laughs) Uh and that's out in New Orleans East on the grounds of an old uh, natural gas and fuel oil power plant that used to be out there Mm -hmm. so one megawatt of solar that is in comparison to 40 megawatts of solar that residents and businesses in New Orleans have already installed. So if you think about what I like to call the great big shiny billboard for what people want, uh-huh. which is what they install on their own roof. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, we have made it, New Orleans uh, residents have made it very clear what kind of energy future they want. And so um, right now, Entergy has said they've committed to um, and I promise not to use the air quotes this time, uh-huh. up to 100 megawatts of renewable resources that are cost effective. Now, the reason I had to sit on my air quotes, mm-hmm. um, that when you qualify something so many times, you say up to 100 megawatts of cost effective, without ever saying when, by uh-huh. when, you know, that they, they could be committing to 100 megawatts of renewables by you know, 2100. Like yeah. Just like, <laughs> yeah. who knows what that means? Yeah. Um, and right now, the o- they're, um, they put out a, a request for proposals, which uh-huh. is how a utility goes about acquiring assets. Mm-hmm. Back in, in the spring of 2016, they said, we're going to do this, you know, renewables. Come tell us how you want to sell us your renewable projects. Mm-hmm. It's now January of 2018, mm-hmm. and the only project out of that that they have brought to the council to say it's time we, we want to invest is five megawatts. Wow. Five. So wow. they are far off from their, their um, self-stated uh, um, commitment and far away from the kinds of investments and commitments that this, that residents in the city of New Orleans have already made. Mm-hmm. Right. And the council also said, hey, yeah, okay, good idea, but we want, want this bigger and we want this faster. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. That's so right. they are on board, on, uh, on board there. Right. Wow. Yeah. I mean, there's, a lot going on. there's something I wonder, I, I'm not sure if, if this is, I had, had gone to a, like a, 
uh, sort of a town hall meeting about this at um, Dillard maybe a year ago or mm-hmm. something like that. And somebody was talking about how, I don't know if it's at the, um, at, you know, in the same vicinity of the Mishu plant, but, um, but there already is also an economy for building the infrastructure for wind and solar here, like even though we're not using it, you know. And so there yep. was like, somebody was talking about how, you know, the first offshore um, wind in the United States is, you know, in near Rhode Island, and they actually make this stuff here. Uh, yeah, uh, the design for mm-hmm. the platforms was done in Mandeville. Mm-hmm. The platforms themselves were built in Homa, and the ships that uh, were able to lower the platforms in the ground mm-hmm. were also, I mean, th- it was all transported from down here on ships that were from here as wow. well, because that requires just huge infrastructure huge buildings to construct all that and uh, which are here due to offshore drilling in the Gulf of Mexico mm-hmm. for oil um, yeah that that was utilized here so uh, actually uh, we uh, we should that would be another uh, venue uh, another direction we could go in is to develop offshore wind in mm-hmm. the Gulf of Mexico um, I mean, we have to look because it is a, a, a huge migration route for oh, birds. Yeah, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, but we need to research that. And uh, I mean, climate change is so dangerous for birds. Yeah. Coal-fired power plants, uh, tar sand pits are so dangerous for birds. They yeah. are th- dying by the thousands in there. So, uh, I mean, we really have to weigh our options. But offshore wind... Uh, of the, of the coast here would also be so close to major uh, cities that use a lot of electricity. Yeah. yeah. Uh, something that was really exciting to hear last year, mm-hmm. um, I think, I think Renata, you were actually there at the, uh, the BOEM um, mm-hmm. information transfer meeting. Um, yeah. BOEM is a, um, it's a federal um, agency. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Bureau of Ocean Energy Management. Yeah. So they do the leases. That's, yes, that's, uh-huh. that's, that's how most of us have heard of BOEM. Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, there is an effort right now, however, out of BOEM to take a look at what else energy management means. Okay. <laughs> Ocean energy management. Uh-huh. Um, simply because, as you mentioned, you know, America now has its first offshore wind mm-hmm. uh, farm, and more of them are being developed mm-hmm. all along the, the northeast coast. Um, and so they spent an afternoon uh, bringing together uh, leaders from national energy labs and some of these companies that are part of the supply chain that, that Renata was describing, mm-hmm. the, the lift boats and those sorts of things, to describe and to sort of chart out a path uh, of what ocean energy management uh, and renewable and alternative ocean energy management looks like mm-hmm. um, down the line for Louisiana. And it's really exciting to think <clears throat> that according to the, the national laboratories, that cost effective um, offshore wind is less than a decade away. Mm-hmm. And I know that that sounds we're sitting here in you know 2018, a decade, oy, that sounds uh-huh. like a long time. But it's really important to know that it took nearly a decade for that offshore, that first offshore mm-hmm. wind plant, wind farm off mm-hmm. of Rhode Island to get off the ground yeah. or right. to get out of the ocean. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, because it takes a while. These regulatory things are slow moving ships mm-hmm. and it takes a while to get something like this permitted and, and moving and all these things. And so if we already know 
that the cost effectiveness is is so short into the future. And if we know that Louisiana stands to be a real anchor for a supply chain for mm-hmm. offshore uh, wind around the country, mm-hmm. then now is the time for for from our economic development perspective, from a um, an energy perspective, to really rethink what it means to be an energy state, mm-hmm. and to use the the knowledge that we've already developed to turn that ship now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would. Uh, I want to add to this that uh, scientists are telling us that 80% of the known fossil fuel reserves, of the known oil and gas reserves and coal, have to stay in the ground if we want to have a livable climate in the future. Mm-hmm. 80% of what we know is there. So, uh, and we know from Louisiana how the oil industry is a boom and bust industry. Mm-hmm. We, we have to shift. Um, we have to change, but there are other options. It's it's uh, we completely completely understand that people need to make a living, but there are other sustainable options to work in an industry where those uh, skills directly translate into uh, an industry that is sustainable uh, and that points towards the future. Um, I'm going to do a real quick station ID. It's 8.30 in the morning. You're listening to WTUL 91.5 FM. The show is News and Views. I'm your DJ, Kelp Goose. We're here in the studio with Renata Hurich from 350 New Orleans and Logan Atkinson-Burke from the Alliance for Affordable Energy. Please go on. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. That was a very well-timed station break. (laughs) Well done, sir. Um, So something else that I think is important here, and, and very often, you know, we'll point out what's happening in other parts of the country, and we'll have it thrown back at us. Yeah, but in, in some of those other places, look at how high their energy costs are per kilowatt hour. Mm-hmm. Well, let me tell you one of the big reasons that is. Um, one of the uh, great lessons to be learned from California in the last decade is not to overbuild power generating <laughs> units. Um, California, a number of years ago, they they were doing, remember I mentioned at the beginning of our conversation, integrated resource planning. Mm-hmm. And, and these are 20-year plans that take a look at what a utility expects to need to serve their customers, and then how to cost-effectively solve that sort of problem, if you will. I didn't realize how many air quotes I used in my life. <laughs> um, <clears throat> so... So back in California, um, a number of years ago, the utilities were conducting integrated resource plans, and they were doing their forecasting for how much energy they were going to need. And their forecasts, a uh, sort of a meta study has now shown, is that utility for utility was way over forecasting their need. And so that meant they were way over forecasting how much how many energy power plants they were Mm -hmm. going to need to build and then were allowed by uh, their regulators there to build, to serve that need. Well, we show, we, you know, fast forward to now, there are natural gas power plants. And these are the the most, according to, you know, if if you're looking at efficient, cost-effective energy generation, a, a combined cycle natural gas power plant is supposed to be the top of the heap. Well, some of these power plants are, six, not even uh, five or six years old, and they're being retired because they can't compete with solar and wind. And they can't compete with the fact (laughs) that the forecasts were overblown. Mm -hmm. And so this is a lesson that 
that um, regulators around the country, and especially in Louisiana, need to pay attention to, where if we if we don't take serious stock of what the utilities are telling us about energy growth and energy needs, and we don't really look at how much their um, their mm-hmm. sales are instead of growing, they're flatlining, and, and that's a good thing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If, if they're not paying attention and really scrutinizing this, then we can win- wind up in the exact same boat with power plants that we don't need, that we're still paying for, that are mothballed after five or six years. Yeah. And that is a dangerous position to be in. I also want to add that... Um, the um, fuel, the uh, the gas uh, for these power plants is mainly produced by fracking, mm. which is in itself an extremely toxic mm-hmm. process. It is very dangerous. It has a huge impact on the surrounding communities. Uh, you know, we have uh, huge areas that deal with earthquakes. All of a sudden, uh, you use huge amounts of water to um, to produce the gas, uh, you you inject uh, you you pull it out of the earth with with all kinds of toxins that are uh, that mm-hmm. come up with it, and you inject that back. Uh, it's uh, it's a very toxic process, uh, very unhealthy. Why would we go that route if we have fuel that doesn't cost anything? Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm solar and wind um so okay so but uh, like as a couple of things i want to hit while we're Mm -hmm. still talking one is i guess i would be curious to hear from you both um about sort of like um i I imagine that you've done some thinking about sort of alternatives to giant energy corporations i don't know if that's like the work that you're doing right now or something you would want to talk about um but i'm curious about sort of like alternative models for um for like owning energy and if that's something that's even up for discussion and where we are um and then also well let's let's start with that okay um what what i can tell you is what is happening right now um around the country is people, as I mentioned here in Louisiana, in New Orleans, mm-hmm. uh, are starting to take their power back. Mm-hmm. And what that means is they are finding ways to have energy ind- independence. That is installing solar on their rooftops, mm-hmm. now installing batteries, um, buying things like electric cars that can be a part of their own energy systems, mm-hmm. uh, reducing their energy waste, which is the actually the thing I should have started with first, which is mm-hmm. most important because why would you generate an, a kilowatt hour you don't need? Yeah. Right? <laughs> what? How do people do that? So how do people reduce waste? Yeah, I mean, sort of, yeah, sort of concretely. Sure. Um, some of the first things that you would do if you live in an old leaky house in New Orleans, mm-hmm. you'd have somebody come out and take a look at how you're, um, you can do an audit, which mm-hmm. does a really deep sort of analytical dive into where all of your hot and cold air is going. Mm-hmm. But some of the very basic things are weather stripping. It mm-hmm. might sound silly, mm-hmm. but if you are, if, if, the wind is whistling through your doors and windows, you're wasting a ton of energy. Another big one in, in New Orleans right now is duct sealing. Okay. That sounds really silly. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, but it's um, if your HVAC system, you know, the, the big tubes that carry the hot and cold air throughout your house, um, was installed, let's say, a decade ago after Katrina, and you haven't had anything looked at since then, 
it's highly likely that there are leaks in your ductwork that run through your house. And so this means that we are heating and cooling our attics, our basements, mm -hmm. our crawl spaces, our the interiors of our walls, and that's not doing anybody any good at no. all. Mm -hmm. So programs like Energy Smart that I mentioned mm -hmm. can help pay down the cost of duct sealing, which has a, a company come in and find the places where you're just wasting air and they seal it up and it helps to reduce your energy waste. Another thing that you can do, uh, if you live in an old house in New Orleans, like a lot of us do, you might see daylight through your floorboards. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> this is a common problem. Mm -hmm. um, and so it almost doesn't matter uh, you know, how smart you are about using your thermostat. Yep. If, you're, if you're seeing daylight, you're also seeing waste. Mm -hmm. And so um, doing things like sealing up those uh, floorboards from the underneath, um, and making sure that we are investing in <laughs> in um, in the envelope of our homes, and yeah. that's that's kind of one way to think about it, um, can really help us save a ton of money because Louisianans, and this is uh, uh, from um, uh, federal data, Louisianan residents use thirty percent more electricity per household than the average American. We are the top energy electricity user per household in the country and waster of electricity in the country. And a lot of this is because we haven't had energy efficiency programs until fairly recently. Mm -hmm. where, you know, lots of other places are, are decades ahead of us and are mm -hmm. saving tons of energy. Um, but an, another big one, and this is um, a bigger deal outside of New Orleans, but in parts of New Orleans, it's still, it's still a, important. Um, for new construction, we didn't have building codes for energy mm -hmm. until 2006. Really? We didn't mm -hmm. have any kind of residential building codes until 2006. So that means that until 2006, you could build a house and not have a lick of insulation in it. Wow. And that is a real problem in a hot, humid climate. You're, we're all just wasting a ton of energy. And mm -hmm. so luckily, since 2006, we've had these energy codes. Unfortunately, we our energy codes are stuck in 2009, <laughs> which means while the rest of the world, the rest of the country is moving forward with national, you know, energy code standards that are uh, revisited every couple of years, we are still stuck in 2009. And so this is something that needs to change at the state level. Mm -hmm. um, but to go back to your, your quick question about sort of energy systems and, and having um, a different kind of system than the kind of um, big ships that we've always had. Mm -hmm. um, that is already changing, as I mentioned, because people are starting to generate their own and yeah. save more of their own. But what's also changing is the utility business model. So for 100 years, utilities made money in two ways. They sold more and more. They went for growth through mm -hmm. selling more and more kilowatt hours. And that meant as people bought new refrigerators and more and more people had HVAC systems and, you know, more electronics started getting plugged in, they were selling more and more kilowatt hours. Mm -hmm. Well, that also meant, number two, second way, they make bunch, make money, which is build power plants. Yeah. They, this is part of their business model. They make a profit and on top, mm -hmm. and Renata described it earlier. Mm -hmm. Just like a contractor who builds a house, they build your house, you pay for the house, and then you pay for a contractor's fee on top. Yep. Same idea, mm -hmm. right? So now what's happening is for the first time in 100 years, instead of those kilowatt hour sales growing, 
they're flatlining and declining because hmm. people are sealing up their floorboards. Mm. They're building more efficient houses. Energy Star has revolutionized the way refrigerators are yeah. made and mm -hmm. everything from a TV to a computer monitor is made. And so people around the country are, are finding ways to get more out of less, right? Mm -hmm. And so that part, that major part of the energy business model has changed. And they're saying, all right, so we're not gonna grow by selling more kilowatt hours, what are we gonna do? Well, okay, the other one was, Let's build stuff, right? Uh -huh. And so this is what's happening around the country is utilities are saying, all right, we got one last ditch effort because we know that people are also generating their own, so they're not going to need these new power plants for, for much longer. Mm -hmm. We are going to build stuff. And so building power plants is now the, the, the way to, to, for these companies to make money. And in New Orleans, we are in a unique position in that the utility or the, the city council is the regulatory agency over energy. Uh, in Louisiana, it's the Public Service Commission uh, responsible for the whole state. But in New Orleans and the other city is Washington, D.C., is where the l local government is the, the agency that can regulate that can mm -hmm. say yes or no and uh, that's why uh, you know we uh, the um, utility committee in the city council uh, is expected to cast a vote next Wednesday next Wednesday uh, next Wednesday they meet at 10 a.m. in, uh, in uh, it's going to be at 601 Poitras Street it's not in City Hall because uh, these council chambers are being renovated right now it's on the 11th floor of 601 Poitras Street. Um, so the, we expect the council, the, the utility committee, to, to vote on Entergy's um, power plant proposal. And we're asking people to come out uh, to that meeting, um, voice their concerns. Uh, people can speak up. It, they get two minutes to speak. It's mm -hmm. not a big deal. Mm -hmm. uh, you don't have to be an expert to tell the council what you want for your city because you are the one paying for this. Yep. Uh, the other uh, other possibility is if you can't make it 10 mm -hmm. o'clock on a Wednesday morning, uh, you can call your council member and tell them uh, what you want uh, for your city. Um, you can also send an email to your council member's office. You can write a letter to the editor. You can tell your friends. You can post about it on social media. You can also go to nogasplant.com or the No Gas Plant Facebook page to get more information. Um, okay, great. Well, um, Logan and Renata, thank you so much for taking some time to speak with us and educate us about this stuff today. Um, to our listeners, as you have just heard, you can find both of their organizations, the Alliance for Affordable Energy and 350 New Orleans online and on Facebook. Just you oh, know, yeah. Google yes. it, <laughs> do your thing, make it happen. Um, all right, great. Take care. Please work. Thank you. Work. <laughs> oh, yes. Awesome. Okay. Good job there. Oh, Getting it no, in. Good, 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 good here. Yeah, I'm, I meant to add one thing about uh, also uh, targeting low-income people. Yeah. yeah, yeah, but it's it's so much. I mean, it's There's it's we we got a man. It was um, quite. Yeah, thanks, y'all. Um, yeah, no problem. Yeah. We